Hey, everybody. We're back for another Bald Move movie podcast. We've got a little bit of a roundup. Me and Jim are going to take two movies, Interstellar and... Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. We're going to pierce yeah. some snow. It feels like a winter podcast. We are. They literally pierce snow in that movie with a train. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They do. It's a form, Ice is a form of snow, right? Ice and crusty. Yeah, it's, it's post-snow format, but yeah. Sure. I'll give you that one. <laughs> and then Bat and Cleanup will be me and my eight-year-old son... Uh, back for a review of Big Hero 6. So what do you want to talk about first? I guess we should go with the order we announced it on the podcast, yeah? Sure. Interstellar. Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big big budget, big special effect, brain teaser of a movie. Yeah. Did not see that one coming from Chris Nolan. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I didn't know what to expect going into this because like I had seen Gravity before, yeah, like not too long ago, and I was like, oh, okay, it might be like Gravity, but this is a very different movie from Gravity. It is a very different movie, and I too wanted because to, I'm a huge fan of Nolan, mm-hmm. um, The Prestige, Memento. Uh, we did a like two hour podcast when uh, what what's it shit came out Inception. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, thought he did a pretty good job on Batman's too. So I was like, you know, hard science fiction. I'm in, and Sign I've I, I saw the original trailer, and then I avoided all the others. I avoided reading reviews. I, avo- I avoided doing anything because I just wanted yeah, yeah. to hit it with no preconceptions at all. And mm-hmm. I, I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, are we good. really here to talk about what we liked and didn't like about the movie, or do we want to talk about the stuff that we've been talking about since we've seen it? Yeah. So this is going to be a big spoiler cast for anybody who hasn't seen this movie. Sure. This isn't a our recommendation up or down. I think you obviously should see this movie. <laughs> yeah, if you're into sci-fi at all, definitely see this movie. You should probably see it in an IMAX screen if you can swing it. It was good. Yeah, that that looked really good. And uh, although I got to say, I thought that the IMAX was too loud. Or it, the woof, yeah. the subwoofers were set to like ridiculous levels. They, they fucked up the mix or something because like during the quiet scenes, like there's supposed to be a little bass in the background, but the speakers uh-huh. were rumbling the entire theater during that. I couldn't hear the dialogue. Yeah, it was so loud during those quiet moments. I couldn't hear the dialogue. Now I've I've read since that there's several movie theaters that put up little signs that say the dialogue in this movie is quiet. The mix is okay. This is how the film was intended to be presented. So it's supposed to be covering up the dialogue with rumbling well, bass. Well, I think wall. that we had a double whammy. I think that because I had a complaint, I saw that uh, I saw um ah uh, shoot, what was the Pacific Rim? I saw Pacific Rim at the same IMAX theater. Okay, and it was a rumble in the jungle from start to finish, even an inappropriate. That's the thing. It's like if it's a quiet scene, yeah, you yeah. you shouldn't hear the subwoofers clapping, right? You shouldn't hear them rattling. So, That's so I got up problem. and I said, look, this is uncomfortably loud. It's actually hurting my ears, and it sounds like shit. Could you – I mean, I, yeah. I, I bet you don't get this request very often, but can you turn the goddamn thing down? <laughs> and they did, and it was fine. So I just feel uh-huh. like that maybe this particular IMAX is a bunch of uh, young punks that don't just – Put the yeah, fro- throttle eleven, baby. Put it to the firewall and just forget about it. And oh, I yeah. almost it was just it was not at the threshold of pain, so yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. But it was close to it. it oh, like when the when when the rocket launched, uh-huh. yeah, I almost put fingers in my ears because it was getting, and I, I'm sure I did damage my hearing because you start losing <laughs> hearing before the threshold of pain. So if you're right there, then fuck this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But even during the quiet scenes, I was like, okay, stop, stop with that noise. Yeah. Because I can't hear the dialogue and it's fucking annoying. You could literally hear 
the emotional tension between him and his daughter in the form <laughs> of this giant rumbling bass, yeah. five story tall uh, subwoofer. So yeah. audio problems to decide. Um, the other thing that's interesting about Nolan films is some of the big questions they answer are almost beside the point. Like, what do you mean? You know, all the 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 strum and the drang or whatever over Inception and whether it was all a dream or wasn't a dream. That's not what the movie was about. That was yeah, the yeah. the way he chose to tell a story about a man and what you would do and what you would risk to have mm-hmm. one more shot of being with your family. Hmm. Sure. And, you know, relationship between your father and your children and, and all those things. Um, you know, Memento was a revenge story about, <laughs> you know, how far you would go to avenge the death of a loved one. And, yeah. you know, also maybe uh, some so- social commentary about how we treat people with mental illness and okay. in the country. Um, see that. So I feel like Interstellar is is even more simple. It's it's a love story between a father and his daughter, pretty much. Yeah, and you know the, the, how how much you can test both of those bonds. Like if you have a father that goes away on these missions where hours or days have elapsed for him, but decades have elapsed for you. Yeah, how do you maintain? And that's that one of the more heartbreaking things in the film that his son, because his his daughter. Just wrote him off as soon as he got out of his truck and took off. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of. She comes back around and she's also like, after he takes off, she runs out and wants the the final hug and like she feels like she missed an opportunity there. Sure. Uh, But but yes, up until the moment he leaves, she's like, no, I I hate you. Go away. And then she eventually, even though she doesn't participate in any of the long distance video chats, it doesn't seem like, um, she actually takes up his work. Mm-hmm. And she goes and joins NASA and researches this gravity drive system where his son, who does all the things that you're supposed to do and keeps him involved and when he gets married and when he has a son and, you know, keeps him appraised of all the children until like 25 years have passed. And he sends this last message like, I just don't think this is healthy for me anymore. <laughs> sure, sure. And he then he does write him off, right? He yeah. writes off the whole mission. He writes off everything. But he's also a ever... farmer. He kind of rejects yeah. everything that his, his father He's more like his grandfather than, than his sure. father. Sure, exactly. Because uh, he was raised by his grandfather. You yeah, know, both of them that were. Makes sense. Um, they just, you could tell the connection was more there with Murphy and Matthew McConaughey. I don't remember his name in the movie. <laughs> what was his <laughs> fucking name? Cooper. Cooper. Uh, Murphy and Cooper had a had more of a relationship it seemed like than the son and cooper yeah um or at least he he saw the potential in her and was trying to make his son into a farmer where sure. he's trying to make her into an astronaut and i don't i don't know why he chose to do that with his children that strikes me as like andrea and amy sitting in a boat talking sure. about how their father raised them differently sure, sure. um can, can we do a recap of the plot real quick like earth has gone to shit yeah, there is some unknown reason. Some environmental problem has caused it to a particular strain of blight uh-huh. that feeds off nitrogen in the air. The delicate mixture of gases on the planet have been disturbed, and this blight is going gangbusters. And it keeps jumping from crop to crop. Yeah. And so reducing uh, the amount of vegetation on the planet, I and feel the, like. The, the biodiversity of it. Like, at, towards the end of yeah. the movie, all you can grow is corn. And some of the final scenes of life on bleak Earth are the corn crop starting to fail. Yeah. And, and then humans are gonna have no food. So they've NASA has kind of like been 
everything has been pared down to its base essentials. NASA, NASA is somehow still functioning uh, in the secret in the desert, and they're working on this mission to send... Uh, they have what they say are two plans. One is to like a colony ship, basically. Mm-hmm. The other one is to repopulate another of several planets, which they found through a wormhole that has suddenly appeared uh, right. in the sky. So uh, their idea is to send like 5,000 pre-fertilized eggs and sperm and stuff up there and right. and get them, get humanity going on another planet. Right. And it's a kind of a, it's, it's a high con, you know, I, I'm not going to use the term high concept. It's a pretty cool, concept because you got plan a which is if we can solve this gravity drive problem then we'll build this colony ship and we'll save everyone yeah plan b is the the popsicle humans yep that you know and they had this precise mixture like you know we'll thaw out 20 of them who will be caretaken by one or two people Mm -hmm. and then you know will keep like unfreezing people at his regular intervals. So you can have like this max genetic diversity and all that kind of stuff. So you don't, you know, to, you don't have a whole bunch of people that have mental and physical deformities because of inbreeding and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty cool concept. And a lot yeah. of that science feels really good. It does. Like, yeah. like a lot of the science they've got of the ships and the technology. I mean, there's some stuff like those. Their wormhole um, ideas are pretty solid. What's the name of their starship? Like the roundabout? I don't the know. Maverick or the Sidewinder? Pro- probably. Something like that. That's the name of every starship. <laughs> that starship seems almost miraculously well-built. Yes. Like, yeah, there's no way I believe you could take that through the event horizon of a black hole. Not just that, but I was calling bullshit when they rode a five-mile-high tidal wave yes. on that water uh-huh. planet that's that's orbiting the black hole. But you get yeah. sh- shit like that. Where you know you land on this planet's full of water and it's right, it's in the gravity well of a yeah. black hole, and there's just globe-spanning, miles-high waves going around, just beating the shit out of everything. Yeah, pretty cool. I, I like their imaginings of the planets. I'm not so sure about the ice planet. Um, that was a little shaky, and I think the science on that is a little shaky. But sure, you know, it, it looked cool, certainly. But also, I think it's cool that this is the first time that I've actually thought about time dilation. Ah, that, yeah. you know, I've always known, and you know, the faster you go, uh, the slower time goes. So if yeah. you spend time near the speed of light, then time is going to pass very slow for you from an outside perspective, an outside yeah. frame of reference. It's all just relative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's almost like it's the theory <laughs> of relativity. Uh, but what a lot of, I guess what's, not as well known is that you know time and space and gravity are all linked yeah and extremely high gravity wells uh the time also passes uh faster yeah i don't i'm i'm not a scientist i I don't don't know the science on this stuff yeah um, but that is the concept they set up in the movie. Certainly. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I've been on, there's a lot, been a lot of ask credit threads about like this oh, stuff yeah. and it, it, I guess it all, it all checks out. Um, it doesn't immediately make sense to me, but you know, a lot of people in mind, including physics knowledge is kind of locked back in the seventies. Yeah. Carl Sagan's original cosmos. Yeah. Shit. And, yeah. and brief history of time and all, all these yeah, things yeah. and things have really moved along. Like, you know, we've ever more discovered what things are all about. And yeah, like, some like of the quantum modern... theory is almost entirely new from the 70s. Yeah. Know? Like, I mean, it almost didn't exist in the 70s. But that's also kind of an old theory at this point. And, like, like yeah, some of the some cosmological of stuff, like the big current Big Bang theories and stuff, are just, I can't, I've tried, I don't understand them. Yeah. But Weird. it's presented as fact, and I believe it is fact, that the higher the gravity in a situation, the, the faster time moves. Uh-huh. 
which is interesting when you think about a black hole because you've got basically infinite gravitational pull within that event horizon. So does that mean, is that how you get fifth dimensional beings? You go through that and you exist simultaneously everywhere. Time is infinite. It feels like it. It feels like that's what the movie is trying to say. Cause it, what happens is he goes out there. Uh, he is unable to save himself. He, he sacrifices himself in order to save this, this plan B humanity colony. Who's played by what's her name? Uh, I didn't even know she was in the movie. Fuck, she's in Batman. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's Catwoman. She's in Les Mis. She's Fontaine. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Oh, Anne, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway yes. Uh, it was right there. Uh, yeah, so he sacrifices himself by going into the black hole, like jettisoning, jettisoning his ship from the main hulk of the ship, uh, which allows her to escape the gravitational field of the black hole, and he gets sucked in. Mm-hmm. And he ends up in a fifth dimension translated into 3d space, mm-hmm. like a, f- a five dimensional 3d area. I don't, yeah. I don't even know how that works. I don't know how you would take five dimensions and encode it into 3d. They, and it was interesting. They visualize it in a really interesting way. And it's all 2d space. It wasn't, I'm super surprised Nolan didn't make this a 3d movie because my God, can you imagine oh, Jesus? Yeah. It would give you a headache. If you saw that fifth dimensional room in three dimensions, which kind of looks like if you imagine like a film strip. Uh huh. Okay. So you got a film strip that shows like movement going from, you know, each, each frame is taking a movement. If you then added a height and depth to that so that any way you could go deeper into the frame and see like different times and you could go yeah. above the frame. That's how that room looked. It looked like a six-degree type of film strip that you could just flip through, and you could go deeper, which is further in time, and you could go up and down, which is different vignettes and stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've we've talked so much about this. There's really only one question left that we don't feel like we have a good answer to. Well, this is I'm setting it up here because he gets okay. in this fifth-dimensional room, and he realizes that early in the film his daughter was talking to ghosts. Uh-huh. That you didn't later find out that they're communicating things to Cooper through gravitational waves. Yeah, he's actually the one communicating to both his daughter and himself in the past. That ghost was Cooper who uh-huh. went back in time through this fifth dimensional viewfinder and was able to influence gravity to send like Morse code messages back to his daughter. We yeah. figured out like the original one was Stay, mm-hmm. um, which Cooper ignored and he took off. And then he he's able to transmit some missing equations that mm-hmm. enables this gravity drive that is the way plan a, which is the big colony ships are going to work. Yeah. Um, so here's the crux of the movie. And I, it's not about the fifth dimensional beings and how they perceive time and space and all that. It's a simple measure matter. Uh, it's a simple question of causality in the movie. He figures out that, the fifth dimensional beings are humans from the future. He into, this is uh, this is what he says. I mean, there's yeah. no hard evidence, but this is what is presented sure. to us as fact. Mm-hmm. The fifth dimensional humans created the wormhole, which we haven't told you about. There's a wormhole that orbits Saturn that takes them yeah. to this. Um, they, what they call it, the sweet spot, uh, or the Goldilocks, the Goldilocks zone, or something. <laughs> Probably it's this the region in in the in the the galaxy mm-hmm. uh, that. Uh, is is surrounding this big black hole, but there's like five or maybe ten really good candidate worlds. And what they did is they sent ten astronauts to those different worlds to send data, and the one that was the best is where they're going to send plan A or plan B. Yep. Um, so if the fifth dimensional beings are humans that have evolved, 
and they sent a wormhole back, mm-hmm. then how in the hell did the fifth dimensional beings survive to evolve into fifth dimensional beings? Yeah, because without that wormhole, without that wormhole, it seems like human life would be extinguished. Yeah, um, and that's the part where my knowledge of science breaks down. Uh, as I understand it, there there are many theories out there that do violate causality, and I think like a lot of people say that quantum effects themselves violate causality in a lot of ways. Uh, but I don't know anything about the science is the trouble. Like I, I can't talk intelligently about it other than to say I've heard people say that scientists aren't sure that causality is a hard and fast rule, like a law of nature. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen anyone suggest that. Um, and the, the idea that, that a, a fifth dimensional being with the ability to translate five dimensions into three for the understanding of a three dimensional being uh, or a four dimensional being, you know, technically. That's what we are. What we are. Because we move around in space, which is the three dimensions, and we also move through time, which is the fourth one. Yeah. So we have the ability to control three of those dimensions. So if we were a fifth dimensional being, we would have theoretically the ability to control four dimensions. Mm-hmm. So time as well. Uh, that's where I think like he fudges the numbers a little bit on this. You well, know? cause I, I've seen people say that, yeah, there are certain theories that allow you to violate causality, but mm-hmm. most of the time when I see conversations like that and ask Reddit, the science guys who do have the answers are saying stuff like, well, you're not, you're not interpreting that theory correctly. Or also that's mm-hmm. why that theory is not, is not possible. Or we don't have all the kinks worked out because, you know, causality seems like it's such an important thing. Um, that literally everything we've observed in the universe follows it. But that's because we look at time as going forward. Um, We're limited in our view of it. If we perceive time as going backwards, we would, you'd have the law of effectuality where something happens and then it produces a cause. Yeah. Like you, you look at if there's a cup on your table, right? Yeah. And you say, okay, I'm going to move that cup from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Well, we can, we can just do that. Yeah. If you were, like, like I want to lift that cup up to my mouth. Well, if I'm a three-dimensional being and I only have control over two dimensions, uh, you know, left, right, uh, forward, or backward, I uh-huh. can't lift that cup up to my face. There is no up for me. Uh-huh. I don't have the ability to manipulate that. So, like, the the idea that time is very similar, where we have the ability to perceive it but not manipulate it, mm-hmm. is, I, I feel like, the crux of what Nolan is trying to say here. But like, still it's like your, your illustration explains a, a gap of perception. It doesn't explain like a fourth dimensional being couldn't look at this third dimensional being and vi- I mean, like <sighs> we don't have the means to test it is kind of what I'm saying. Like we mm. can't, there is no experiment we can devise to test time travel because we can't manipulate time. Sure. But I'm talking, I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about a cause and effect. Like I can't mm-hmm. take that third that that third dimensional being, and I mean, what could you do with it to violate causality? Could you make him disappear from time and space? Could you uh, create a Could you create a person from scratch that never was born? Like that's the problem. Fifth dimensional beings, if they all died out in the twenty uh, early the late twenty first century, then that's it for them. Like there's no way. They can then exist a million years from now, evolve to a higher plane, and come back and save us. So, 
it seems like they don't. Like it, it seems like what might what might actually be happening here. Well, yeah, no, it's a, it's a damn good question because the wormhole is what triggers all of that's this. the whole problem the, the wormhole wor- if if the united if if the humanity got uh to faster than light travel and ended it, or up if on, plan, out on those planets or if plan b was like a sleeper ship that needed yeah. ten thousand years to get where it was going Fine, and the no wormhole problem. was plan a yeah then i could buy that because that's you know you're, t- you're talking about like if would future humanity mm-hmm. want to lend a helping hand to present humanity uh, you know, it's it's kind of like the the question you ask ourselves. Like, if we had the choice to bring back woolly mammoths, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we'd do it, just because that seems to be sure. our thing as a species. That we like, you know, right now we're really worried about the rhino and the elephant. Why do we give a shit? We don't need rhinos and elephants to survive, obviously, uh, or to uh, even get erections uh, <laughs> or to do anything. Speak for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself is all I'm going to say. <laughs> if you physically implanted a rhino horn into your Johnson, uh, so it's sure. always hard. That's the only way it's going to make your dick stiff. But my God, <laughs> have you seen those? You're talking about a three-foot, really pointed, uh, chitinous Johnson uh, but yeah. but what I'm saying is, but but we are concerned with that because we mm-hmm. appreciate biodiversity and we appreciate interesting, unique things to look at. So I I buy that but future do... humans would want to save past humans. Like okay, so let's go back to that cup thing, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you don't have the ability to move your cup t- to the left, but yeah. you do have the ability to move it to the right. That would be a, a very linear dimension for you, right? Like. The further I move my cup to the right, the further it's going to be to the right, and I can never go back to the left. It, sure. That feels like us in time. Okay. So we progress linearly through time as as we perceive it. Now, if there was some being who didn't, some being who just saw all of time as a dimension, as something that they could interpret and manipulate, that might be a very different story. If time is not actually a linear thing, but it is like a a force similar to like gravity or no, I any get other That's what I'm saying. Like I could see a being, I could see being fifth dimensional beings, be able to traverse time the way we traverse space. Uh-huh. That is not a problem for me. Uh, and and if, just, if these were not just, humans, like uh-huh. if, it's, if these were intergalactic conservation officers, uh-huh. um, I would buy that as well because there's no causality. It's the, it's the causality. Like, like if let's say that, I see what you're saying, let's but say time... we hunt elephants to extinction. And I wrote uh-huh. a science fiction movie where, you know, a hundred years from now, super intelligent elephants that evolved from the plains of Africa come back and stomp our asses. Yeah. People would be like, what the fuck? All the elephants died. You mm-hmm. kind of have a little bit of that in Star Trek four where the whales come back after they've been extinct. But that was like whales were seeded by an intelligent force from the galaxy as space explorers before humanity even evolved. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like there's other scientific problems with that, but they're not uh, like causality problems. I, I just, I'm having a hard time with the causality. Yeah. And if I a understand why out there or a professor that can Hell yeah. explain how that is possible. And that's the thing is like, I know there was a science advisor in this movie and he did a lot of hard science. You can buy the book, the science of interstellar. Yeah. I'm probably going to get but that. But this, <laughs> this is where he's even like, look, the stuff with the wormhole and the black hole and the fifth dimensional beings are science fiction. Like I, mm-hmm. I did my best to make it like if you were to enter an event horizon and they did a lot of things like they yeah. made that black hole be spinning very, very fast because that somehow, 
um, I, I, that that did some kind of physical yeah. effect that allowed that would allow him to slowly enter um, the event horizon. And they made a big point about how thin the event the the horizon is. Yes, and, yes, yes. Yeah, but he's like, you know, like this is what we think might it look like if you go through a wormhole. Or this is what we think might it might look like if you get close and approach an event horizon. But yeah. it's they, no one knows. Sure, but it's modeled on theoretical physics. Sure, and and I I think. So much of this is theoretical physics that unless you are a theoretical <laughs> physicist, sure. you're probably not going to even approach understanding what this movie is happening. Because like like you said, he had a consultant who is yeah. a theoretical physicist uh-huh. <laughs> working on this movie. I feel like I got to sit down and have a conversation with him. Sure. Maybe we can get an interview with him on That'd this podcast. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Maybe we could. Um, so the other thing, I think it's interesting that there are potentially hard things where we will never can know about the universe. Yeah. With a, with a, like, you know, observational bias. For example, like what happened at the moment or even before the Big Bang? Plank time, right? That's, that's exactly what it it seems like that from my knowledge, there's never going to be a way that we can observe or make any observations or even beyond the mathematical hypothesis of what could come before that. That's like a hard barrier that we're never in. What happens beyond an event horizon? What happens? I mean, we, there is an event horizon in the universe, right? Like we can't see beyond a certain point because that is so far out that light doesn't travel fast enough to have reached us at that point. Yeah, the the whole like it is expanding faster than light travels. Yeah, but like that's one of those interesting questions. If you ask a scientist like what happens at the edge of the universe, they'll be yeah. like, There is no edge of the universe. Because that's one of the like one of the current models of the galaxy is these inflationary hmm. models where they're Everything is expanding all the time in all directions. Yes. So you could never travel to the edge of the galaxy, to the universe, and say, "Here's the edge," because it's continued to expand, and you're just as far away from the edge then as you were today. Sure. (laughs) It's really mind blowing. Yeah, the concept of of an event horizon is one that no information can pass beyond that horizon for for whatever reason: gravity, uh, speed, time, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, you cannot read anything beyond that. So yeah. there, there are a lot of those in the universe, you know? I mean, Planck time is one. Planck time is where we can't go back and say something happened before this point because we have no way to measure it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same with like microscopes, right? And like the, like, the fact that it's space and or time didn't exist in the, in the, in the ways we understand it the, now. The constants that we are familiar with now were not the same back then or might, might not even Potentially, existed. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of things in my science fiction heart that have died as I've no, – like, I don't believe that faster than light travel is possible at this at yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. I don't believe there's any way to send information faster than the speed of light at this at – this, I don't think – and I don't think it's like yeah. like at yet. I just don't think like the, the warp, thing Star is, Trek like, style warp drive would just never happen. When you get into like quarks and stuff, like quantum theory, yeah, some of those rules seem to be violated. Like I've read of experiments where – Quarks seem to be in two places at one time yeah. and, and can transmit their state over distances faster than the speed of light. There's some kind of connection between them that we don't understand. That That's stuff I've read. I don't know if that's actually yeah, so true. Yeah, so I've read a little bit more on those because I used to be fascinated too. It's like if you split a, you know, a particular thing in an atom – 
and uh-huh. you you know it's like they're when they're together they spin in a different way and you separate them and you reverse the spin of one the other will reverse the spin too yeah yeah but there's some of those things that like that suddenly works at, at very very micro sure levels. you're not going to send a person faster than the speed of light based on that theory alone. yeah and it, it's it's and it's also it's like sometimes a layman <laughs> it's like they hear stuff like that and it's like oh well the universe is just like Schrodinger's box maybe the cat's alive maybe it's dead it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like you had one quark there, and now there's two, or they're the wrong type of quark, or this like it's it's like you just can't be sure until you measure it. Yeah, that's and a conceptual thing. There's like Schrodinger's limits on stuff. Like you can, know, yeah, you, you can only know certain precision about things. But it's not like you know, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy, where a fucking plant is going to turn into a whale or something because of yeah. probability yeah. drive. You know, Star Trek transporters. Probably not possible. <laughs> sure. As yeah. we understand the universe. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, matter transportation seems like it's not technically impossible. You just couldn't transmit it faster than the speed of light. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's a whole other... I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of <laughs> sad. But on the other hand, the more I understand, the more I think it's like the stuff that actually we could do mm-hmm. is, you know, with artificial intelligence and... Yeah, it's pretty intense. Robotics and cybernetics, the stuff that we could do is is just as exciting, just in a less Star Wars-y and more p- potentially dystopian Terminator type of, of Perfect. way. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think we have the answers to this movie. No. Uh, it, it was a great movie. It's got a lot of heart. I feel like uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the relationship between uh, – Murphy and Cooper being kind of the crux of it. And I agree. And I think it goes even deeper with the concept of love. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff from Anne Hathaway. And uh, there's love, like the, the personal love versus the love that you feel for all mankind. And what is the strength yes. of that? And, and, and like the question of which one is more powerful and which one should be more powerful, you know? I mean, they don't necessarily say that like the love he feels for his daughter <laughs> is greater than the love he has for humanity and then the desire to preserve the species, right? I don't know. I feel like the, the it seems like Nolan feels very strongly that uh, your love for self is the strongest thing unless you have children and then you can transfer that love. But like I feel like Cooper would have yeah, fucked the entire all of humanity if he could go back and be with his girl. After because, the fact, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the question. I mean, yeah. that was in the big rug pull after moment that, that the fact that he went on that mission on a lie. Or maybe they all that the, did, they were all tricked. Yes, they were all tricked. Because it you, you have to you have to you, if you had accurate information, you wouldn't make the right call. So you have to have someone manipulate you in, into who doesn't care one way or another. Yeah, it feels like the message of that movie, if I were to try to sum it up and, and give a takeaway is that love on all levels is required. Hmm. Because you look at Matt Damon's character and you say, he was so obsessed with this mission and continuing beyond beyond reasonability, beyond the, the, personal, sure. the personal affection that he felt for anyone. Right. The mission, it was a mission at all cost. That ended up not serving him well and not serving sure. humanity well. He he wanted to continue on this planet that had really no hope. Yeah. Um. And then it was only the love of Cooper for his daughter that ended up saving humanity in the end. Him going through this this fifth dimensional space and saying, I need to send this message back to my daughter so that she won't hate me mm-hmm. uh, forever. Yeah. And, and And her love for him was the only thing that motivated her to continue his work. Yeah. Right? It feels like there were... 
there was the love of, of Cooper for humanity going out on this mission in the first place, but mm-hmm. then it took that personal love to bring it back around and actually save humanity. Yeah, and also meditation on what loneliness and disconnection does to you. Because we saw oh, like yeah. several instances yeah. where people that spend <laughs> a long time utterly alone. Yeah, that weird. dude on the space station when they went to the gravity planet. He got weird. Yeah. And then Matt Damon went psychotic. So I it'll be interesting because we're really at the forefront of that becoming an issue where you know you'll you'll send people out to Mars and Mm. That kind of I means it'll be a much smaller thing because you're not going to send someone alone and they'll be able to talk to their family. It'll be delayed by a couple hours, um, yeah. but they'll be able to have conversations with people and, and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's and it's I, yeah. I mean, we were talking the other day about, you know, I, I don't want to go off onto a huge tangent here, uh-huh. but along with that idea, um, the, the idea that humans might not die in the future. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're like right on the edge of where maybe that's possible. Yeah. Like a few hundred years plus or minus, it could uh-huh. be that because with the combination of bio, biologic advances, cybernetic advances, artificial intelligence and computing power that yeah. whatever your consciousness is could be transferred into a container that would n- never have to die. Doesn't need corn. Doesn't need corn. Doesn't even need. Yeah, I mean, there's that. What do you do? Like, you know, when when they they call that the the you know the civilization singularity, right? That's the okay. technological singularity. Yeah, yeah. Where the possibilities become almost infinite because you can shed your meat body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty cool. Well, this movie definitely raises a lot of big questions. Um, what is about, the nature about of existence? humanity itself? Yeah. Right. What's the value of it? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking about it almost constantly. We saw it two weeks ago. If you uh, haven't seen it, uh, you know, uh, something to do on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. It's a great movie. I recommend everybody see it. Uh, it will twist your brain up a little bit. Do you think it's going to win any Oscars? No. No. Uh, I don't think there are enough serious performances i think mcconaughey's great if gravity hadn't uh, come out last year do you think it might have won oscars because i felt like gravity hmm. uh sucked the oxygen out of the room pardon the pun because out of the, out of the spaceship <laughs> yeah i mean like and interstellar i mean that's the thing people are getting so good at depicting space situations and it's mm. so convincing mm-hmm that I felt like Gravity did a lot of these things. Now, they didn't have any... It was just basically a th- a thrill ride. Yeah. And it won an Oscar, several Oscars. But now... Sandra Bullock was fantastic in that. Sure, sure. But I'm saying now that you've got a much weightier you know, movie yeah. that's being told, it would probably be more apt to win an Oscar. But because Gravity won, and because Matthew McConaughey... Won won already (laughs) and he's like like, that's the other thing matthew mcconaughey my god uh 2014 you know dallas buyers club alone he won an oscar for dallas buyers club which i know didn't come out in 2014 i think it came out in 2013 but he won an oscar in 2014 Uh he won an emmy for true detective and now he's in this thing with nolan interstellar it's another monster cerebral hit Mm -hmm. what a fucking year that guy yeah no he's on fire uh, he has been for a couple of years, in my opinion. It's like it felt like he had three years worth of Tom Hanks career in the space of a single year. Yeah, pretty much. Because uh, yeah, there's a I, point I know, where like, Tom Hanks went on a run like that. Oh, yeah. But it just happened over this case of like five years instead of all at uh-huh. once. Yeah, I, I 
I don't know. The only performance that I would really throw in there for contention is Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and really only the part where he finds out about the fifth dimensional thing and he's like trying to send messages to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like everything else kind of supports and builds up to that moment. But that's the moment like sure. where I would say maybe he's in contention for it. So let's uh, talk about train spotting or I'm so snow piercing <laughs> snow piercer. Yeah. I this this movie was built up and yep. built up. I yep. heard of first off Grantland because Bill Simmons was talking about it and how awesome it was. And it it is one of those indie films that it got released on you know streaming before mm-hmm. it actually got wide release. In fact, I don't know if it's been released in the theaters yet. But you can watch yeah, it for know. free on Netflix, and we both watched it. Mm-hmm. You know, over the space of the same week, I was not disappointed, but I felt I, I felt like I was appropriately whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. Yeah. I wasn't underwhelmed. I was whelmed. I'm with you. I was I was hyped on this because you were talking it up. You said the a bunch of people had said this was it's a like, Korean science fiction martial yeah. arts, like almost hyped to the level of like the next Matrix, and and it has a very Matrixy story. It does. Uh, and so I was going in expecting to just be blown away, and when I wasn't, I was kind of – I was slightly underwhelmed. In fact, if you if you go into it thinking that the train is the Matrix, uh-huh. Captain America is Neo, Tilda Swinton and Maggie from the newsroom are the agents, uh-huh. and Ed Harris is, con- Colonel, is, is yeah. Colonel Sanders from uh, The Ma- <laughs> Matrix Reloaded, yeah. that is this movie. It really is. It's a story really of is. of the chosen one. It's a it's a dystopia where everyone is stuck. The last of humanity is stuck on a train because the world is frozen over. Uh, I think some magnetic pole shift or no, something. No, 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 no. The they 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 tried to solve global warming by doing some aerosol oh, solution right. in the atmosphere that would reflect part of the suns. Or, and it did, but it reflected too it, much. It, it, <laughs> it had to run away the other way, and now we've got a global ice age. Yeah, so the, so the last of humanity is on this train with a perpetually running engine. Somehow it gets all of its energy, like it doesn't expend energy to create energy or something. Yeah, like the engine is and it's worshipped like a god. Yeah, like the the, the schools are at teaching... least by the people in charge. It is the the humans, not the, the humans, uh, the cargo of this train, not so much. Yeah, and that's they kind of resent it, or they're starting. There's, to. And, you know, it's, this is this is not. It's interesting in a in intellectually satisfying way. It's not interesting in like this is a new idea, but this is oh, very no. 1984 in that. Yeah, you know, the engine is God, and the guy caretaking it is his prof main prophet, and yeah. every car you go back, you're a little less important. Sure. You know, you got first class, and then you got all the way in the back, which is they call it was it, is it steerage. Uh-huh. Uh or whatever they call it but these are like the you know almost refugees and they get treated I mean there's just horrific things I don't I don't want to spoil this movie as much although I guess we okay. kind of have um uh, yeah I I mean they eat like I don't know how I feel about spoiling this thing it's not as it's not this I feel like it's worse than Interstellar by a long shot and we sure. spoiled the shit out of Interstellar sure. Yeah I guess we can spoil it but I mean the steerage people are just, they're just awful. They're, they've left, they're yeah. almost starved. They're fed literally cockroaches. Uh, yeah, I honestly don't mass. know. Like, I understand that they explain this, 
They give you a reason, like there's some mathematical formula where the number of people in the back of the train needs to be X and the number of people in the front of the train needs to be X and there's a delicate balance yeah. that is reset all of the matrix and Zion. On a regular so basis often. with a planned rebellion. Uh-huh. So what the fuck is the actual point of the people in the back? Why do they need them? Yeah, why don't they just cut them off? Do sometimes people do? Is it because sometimes people up front there's like a disease that wipes them out and they need to replenish it from steerage? I mean, it seems like a also, breeding ground for the next Ed Harris. I mean, that's what they were doing with Chris Evans. Well, yeah, well, but that doesn't make sense. Like, why not just breed those people in the class? What happened? Be well train. educated, and yeah. you know, this man was 12 years old when he boarded the train, and he has had a savage life. He hasn't had any education. Yeah. And now he's going to be the engineer for the perpetual motion machine that I'm sure has got all kinds of science and stuff behind it. Do they explain why? No. Like why they just say there's a formula and it works and that's how we keep things. It's kind of like, but I, I that I don't know because the matrix felt a little bit more fleshed out that like the machine. Yes. The machines had done this several times and the first few times were disasters and they kind of got this thing dialed in now. Whereas and they this, need them as batteries. That's the super important part in the matrix. Yeah. And this, it feels like that the, this is the first time, like they've done the rebellion thing to thin the numbers, but this is the first time that they've actually, you know, this, I'm getting old. I'm the conductor. I need someone young, the, to take on and, you know, by you fighting, it's almost like the process of you fighting from steerage all the way and you'd see the whole breadth and scope of what's going on in this train yeah. is going to prepare you for to accept the necessity of maintaining this thing. Because if we don't, everyone dies. But the other thing that's yes. interesting is the revelation at the end that, that the world is starting to unfreeze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, because the the whole train... Everyone on the train dies. Except for like two people. Yeah. A, a small boy and a, a teenage girl, late teenage girl. Yeah. And they come out and there's polar bears. And, sure. you know, they've already, they've, they're one of the smartest guys in the, the series, this, 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 uh, Korean guy who's like this brilliant scientist and mm -hmm. you think he's a dope fiend, but it's, he's got this ulterior motive the whole time. Yeah. He's, he's the Oracle. He's and, and it's like that's the other thing is like a lot of these people used to be higher class and they've mm -hmm. they've worked their way back somehow. Okay, I didn't get that. Like that John, true? the John Hurt character. He oh the guy used, who gave up a bunch of his limbs and shit. He used to yeah. be an upper class. He used to be a front passenger and maybe even a partner to the John Galt guy who's who's piloting the ship. I mean that's not his real yeah. name, but he's kind of like Atlas shrugged guy, the Ed Harris character. So it's like is there some kind of backwards social mobility? I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. My biggest unanswered question is why they chop that fish. <laughs> why they chop the guts out of that fish right before they fight? Does that mean something in Korea? Does that like does that have some significance symbolically? Yeah, like we were watching the Godfather. What the fuck? Otherwise, it's it's an old Korean symbol that means you'll be gutted like a fish. Like you know, they they sit a fish. I mean, it's not that intimidating. They sit right? a fish wrapped up with a bulletproof vest. That means Luca Brasi sleeping with the fishes. Uh -huh. You got a fish. That means we're gonna gut you like a fish. It's an old South Korean uh, I, message. It must mean something to the Korean culture that I just don't understand because otherwise, it is so weird. So weird. It could just be that, I don't know. It's not intimidating. To gut a fish in front of me, I'm not Is scared. it funny? Is it intended to be comic relief? Maybe. Maybe. Because I've had that situation. Like, you know, you watch the, the biggest one. I, the always 
the one that always comes to mind is like watching Drunken Master 2, which <laughs> is this really um, or might it be the original Drunken Master? But right. there's a it's a it's a um, Jackie Chan joint, a Jackie Chan joint, and it's set in China during or around the Boxer Rebellion, I think. Okay. And it's 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 great film. It's got great action, but there's just really weird stuff. Like they play this father beating his wife and child yeah. as comedy, uh-huh. and then the mother later, uh, the father that's been abusive this whole time and severe thinks she's pregnant, and now she is going around the house pantomiming like she's going to hurt their unborn child as he's doing yeah. a slapstick routine to save her belly from all these catastrophes. It's horrifying, trying. but it's funny. But but clearly that that yeah. culturally that is really funny to them over there. So I'm like sure. some of this stuff like I I wonder all the shit that we pump out in this country. And it's one thing we pump it out to western European countries where we kind of like get but we when we have like shit like the Matrix and Dark City and yeah. stuff like that goes out to the Middle East and to yeah. China. What and must they to think v- of it? What the hell do they think? Yeah. Yeah. Is this America? Do people are like is Zion happening in America? Or or like how fucked up and dystopian and how depressed must we all be yeah. if we're putting this 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 stuff out? Or they they might just say, what the fuck does this mean? Like we don't have the frame of reference to even understand it. Like or it's so thing. violent and yet so prudish in sex. Like yeah, like right. Transformers is yeah. a is a is a child's movie that features cybernetic intelligent beings ripping their spines out and uh-huh. being horrifically maimed and die. And like they're like, this is children's entertainment over, you know? Yeah. But you, but you, a boob, someone, some, someone that shows a boob, and like I, I don't know. So I wonder sure. if the fish is the the rare instance of something from over there coming over here and we're like I don't get it. Yeah, you could you could totally be right about that and I would I would guess that's probably the case. Uh the other question, the big question I have is what's up with the idea of this very science fiction based movie having what is essentially telepathic powers? Like the girl has the ability to see the future. To see ahead, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, up, up the train cars. I, I see it as part of science fiction, but but how is it that stuff they're sniffing? Like the the dad is sniffing, could be, but I, he's not a drug. They make it clear that he's not Fargo's, a drug addict. Is that what it's called? He's Fargo? not. He's not. He's not doing that. I know. So like, what? How did humanity go from not having abilities to having abilities? Maybe they're just saying it's like Starship Troopers. Do you wonder that when you watch Starship Troopers and Doogie Hauser starts mind melding with aliens? I feel like it's one sure. of those things where yeah. oh really? So I think this is one of those things where it's uh it's there's just a certain brand enough. of there's a certain brand of science fiction that says the ESP shit and the telepathy yeah, yeah. and the stuff that that is like, you know, we look down at pseudoscience uh-huh. is actually real, we just don't understand it yet, and in the future we'll be able to measure that stuff and and develop it as a talent. So, you know, I never figured out and also, I f- in the Matrix how Neo stopped those squids outside of the Matrix. Was he actually outside the Matrix? I can't remember. I think so. Or or was it a, a thing where the machines shut themselves down because they would, didn't want to kill the one? Or it could be that this was what they needed for the one to buy in further. Like, yeah. now he's yeah. got powers in now real he life. he's a fucking badass. So when he waves his hand at you, die. <laughs> You know, pretend like you're dead. Yeah. See, the that, fact this is all like... I feel like that has an explanation yeah. somewhere in the mythos. This, I don't, I just don't feel like it was explained at all. 
Like yeah. they, they they said, okay, here's her power, but they never even tried to explain it. Whereas everything else, they're like, here's the reason why, and here's it's weird what happened. I, and that, I, but goes. I just rolled with it. Like it didn't bother me at all that she'd have some kind of precognition. I just felt like this was supposed to be more of a dystopian human sci-fi future, not like for example, telepathy. they don't they don't explain precogs in Minority Report. Sure. Sure. It's just like, but this that's is the what technology. Minority Report I is, right? Like, saying. I was, I was baited and switched a little I say, bit. I see. I see. Is what I, how I felt. You were ready to accept a perpetually moving train. No, no, that's another problem I have. <laughs> how the hell is this engine supposed to be the savior of humanity? Where and is it getting its power? Why on a train? Why? why do they have to circumnavigate the globe once a year? I don't know. Like, don't why know. can't they just park? See, I thought it's it was with that danger. They, I thought it was that they were following the sun, and this whole thing was solar powered, and that would kind of make sense, but. I don't think that's no, they the weren't. case. They weren't. Because yeah. that made sense to me. Like if they were set up around the equator. And went or super fucking fast. They went super fast. It was like a bullet train and they stayed in the sun because if you got on the dark side, God help you. Yeah. But they make it clear that they circumnavigate the globe once per year. Yeah. Which just. And it might not even be the maybe, globe. It maybe might they have been, need to be. Maybe it has to be summertime to get enough light and they're following the seasons, perhaps. That doesn't make any sense either. They go so far north that it's just going to be fucking frozen tundra everywhere. Right. Even they, in the summer. And they've got that note about, like, well, at this altitude, you only have to put a guy's arm outside the train for this, you know, and it's like, why? Yeah. Why aren't you just, just post up <laughs> at a spot, man? Sure. Th- like, there was. Bury th- this thing. Mm hmm. Have it generate heat. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like you have to buy the premise or the whole fucking thing falls apart, it feels like. Yeah. So I didn't have yeah, a, I mean, a huge. I didn't have a huge problem with any of the technological. I thought it was really cool. Like when you went through, and there's like a car that has like the yeah, aquarium, cool. and you know you can. It, there's enough stuff there that I felt grounded, and I didn't have a problem with much. I think that was what lended uh, some skepticism to the idea of like telepathic abilities because they did take painstaking. Uh, they painstakingly laid out the science on some of this stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, we need water to survive. We need food. Here's protein bars. It felt very matrixy at the beginning. And then they started in with this stuff. And I was like, hmm, okay. So it's just like the matrix, where, like, yeah. when you knew a little oh, but, bit, but, it felt a lot more real. And as they explained yeah. it more and more, you're like, what the? F-? It started But they never apart. went, but they always stuck to sci fi there, right? They never got like. And it was easy to do because you could give people superpowers in the Matrix. Yeah. Not a problem. Uh, but but they never really went off the rails with like, oh, well, now humans suddenly are telepathic. I don't know. Neo got his eyes burnt out and was able to see the The real, love stuff, yeah. Like was able bringing to see real life Trinity back. In, in the Matrix code. That's... Yes. Okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. They went a little off the rails. And maybe they're, maybe they're you know, long-range beaming. I mean, maybe they installed at birth into some kind of receiver in his brain so they could just beam information right to his brain. I mean, there's lots of ways you could explain it around, but you'd have to sit and, and make up stuff that doesn't appear on the screen for sure. Sure. I, I do like a lot of the kind of thematic stuff they're doing in this movie i mean it's not all like oh it wasn't hard sci-fi so i hated it um i, I like a lot of the stuff that they do with the kids in this movie hmm. um like the the dystopia that they're showing is not all dystopia like for a certain class of people for the kids it seems like they somehow get out of this dystopia for a certain amount of time and i don't know how no, that but works they're, they're being used as it inner they're being used as a cog in the machinery and they make it pretty clear that that kills them 
Oh, you're right. They're they're the ones who yeah. are keeping that thing running. No, they're they, not going. They that's what that. I thought too. They're going to the schoolroom and they're just being they're replenishing yeah, right. the inbred upper class, <laughs> uh, overbitten. They're using them as machine parts. They're they're literally using them as as things break down. The automatic process get replaced by manual ones, which they strongly imply killed the child after a certain amount of time. They have to be replaced. Yeah. Just like the machine that wore that, that wore him out, and sure. there's a lot of that's like you find out that so Tilda Swinton that's, that's that does the little arm move that that's like something that one of the child has to, children has to do. Oh, you know when hmm. she's talking about how every person fits in the cog, and she does this, they actually they, yeah. they make a point of showing her. Is that what the kid was doing? At the yeah, end? one of the kids was doing that arm move okay. to load some bit into the machine or whatever. Huh? But no, yeah, that's, that's horrifying. That's creepy. That's I creepy like that. and horrifying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like some of the fight scenes. They were pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, when it goes all dark, I thought that was cool. Uh, they, no, the core, I mean, the as excuses to have a bunch of cool martial arts go, this isn't a bad one, you know. And I, I, I feel like the, I like the rave car. Yeah. The rave car was pretty awesome, but yeah. that was very Ziony. That was very yeah. Matrixy too. It's like I, I, I feel like the Matrix is this is the Matrix if. Instead of just a really awesome first one, you also got a little bit of the second and third tertier aspects tacked onto it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they go like halfway through the movie, you're in, you're, you're, you're. I, I was like super entertained, and I'm like, oh wow, this is like really good, like the Matrix. And then the second half of the movie hit, and there was a lot of awesome stuff, but there was also yeah. troubling questions piling up. Sure. And ultimately, it what didn't did feel quite satisfying. Well, I, another big question I have is, what did you make of the killer? The the you know the Jason esque guy who was going around just killing everybody he seemed to be unkillable because I Dumb. think I thought he looked like his face choked him out and I thought yeah. he killed him but he no. gets right back up I I thought I thought it was stupid okay plus it suffers from the like commando effect I just don't understand it like what was he was he a human was he yeah I think he's a human he was just... did he have super he was a t- that's powers the thing. It's did like... the guy not choke him long enough like I. I don't know who's the guy in the Ma- who's the guy in speaking of Matrix who's the guy in Commando that was John Sylvester uh, Stallone no 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 the Sar- or no uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah he was John Matrix uh, right but who was the who was the tubby fat dude in the fishnet the villain wife oh beater that oh I can't God. remember his name. Uh, it's like blow off some steam. I don't remember his name either. He reminded yeah. me of him. It's like I just do not buy you as a main villain. Yeah, yeah. You're a fat-headed goon in a suit. That any one of these guys, like I don't believe you can beat Captain America in a stand-up fight. I just don't. I yeah, don't. I, I don't believe that either. I I believe he might have beat the Korean guy because Korean Korean guy's kind of small, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's a big dude. Like he's not tiny. I guess he seems yeah beefy a little bit more more marbled than I want my mega <laughs> mega right. ass kicking villain to be. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's about all I got to say about it. Anything okay. else? No, no. It, it was it's more of a fun ride. Don't go in expecting like super hard sci-fi because you're not going to get it toward the end. Yeah. Um, but if you like the Matrix and you want a fun ride with a lot of ass kicking, it's easily worth a Netflix recommendation. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it for the a, adult segment of the Bald Movies Podcast. On to the lighter side. My son's going to be joining me in the studio to talk about a movie we saw a couple weeks ago, Big Hero 6. Hope you enjoy. Hello, I'm on Dragon. You might have heard me, and it's been since maybe a year and five months since I have got gotten to you, so please do not forget me and... I hope that you like Bond Movie more, and I am eight now. 
You are eight now. The last time we talked about around this time, maybe maybe in January or February, it was the Muppet movie, right? Yeah. Uh, the Great Muppet Heist or the Great Muppet Caper. Mm. Muppets Most Wanted. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah. And today we've come back to talk about Big Hero Six. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about, Big Hero Six? What do you think of the movie? Well, I thought it was good, but basically it was kind of surprising. I didn't think a big, fat, little health robot was going to be so awesome. Yeah, and it's funny because that was one of his core core character traits, that he cared more about people's well-being and their safety and their health than he cared about uh, hurting. Yeah, and like, in fact, he refused to hurt people, even when they were bad, bad guys as well. What did you think of that? Uh... I agree, I guess. Um, watching someone die in your face, even if they kill someone that you're related to, is pretty sad and cruel. So can we talk about a little bit about the movie? This is a movie about a relationship between a big brother who's in college and his little brother who is like in junior high, but he's a genius and he's a robot inventor. And his brother uh, talks him into joining him at college and he to do that he had to win this particular science fair so he get a scholarship to the college which he does but the night that he wins the place the the, the hall that the sets so- on fire gets set on fire and his Tadashi. big his big brother runs in to try to save their professor and the whole place explodes and Hitashi which is um Tadashi. Tadashi. Which is his br- big brother, um, who is Hiro. Hiro is the, the main character. He's Hiro. The, it's, no, I think it's Hiro. No, it's Hiro. It's spelled Hiro, but I think it's pronounced Hiro. All right, well. That's where the big Hero 6 comes in. Um, anyway, Hiro, or Hiro, he Hiro, uh, discovers that his brother built this healthcare robot. When he's the one that you've seen in all the previews, he blows up like a balloon and his only care is to take is to take care of people, uh, but he decides to uh, devise a new scheme of armor and some upgrades and help him uh, discover the 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 real killer and what really happened with uh, his brother's death. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was really surprised is that this movie turns into a superhero movie halfway through, and yeah. Not- First, it's just a lot of harmless movie, um, harmless people, and what was the island? Well, the, so this is not this other interesting thing is it's like kind of like a Blade Runner near future type of deal, and they're set in the city of uh, San Fran San Francisco. It's a mashup of San Francisco and like Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. So. Two countries come together, and they're a bunch of harmless humans that belong to Tokyo and San Francisco. And then there are these six heroes that, um, well, there are two heroes that are planning to stop this bad guy, but then there are help from four other of his college mates, which wanted him to join in the college, but he didn't. So they helped him, and they figured out where he was, and then... Let's talk about these four people. You've got um, this big, tough-looking black guy. 
You've got this kind of um, crazy, skinny, white guy who talks like a surfer dude, and he's like the school mascot. Yeah. Then you got a sassy kind of Asian woman, and then you've got a nerdy but cute redhead, or is she blonde? Blonde. And what did you – so – Sounds pretty pretty, though. She is. She was pretty. So what did you think? Because, like, the um, Asian girl in particular was very much about girl power, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, also about fastness, because in the, um, about, in 20 minutes of the movie, um, she, and in her lab, she came in with this big motorcycle. It was uh-huh. so fast. Mm-hmm. Maybe a thousand miles an hour, and she wanted to make it faster. So I think she wants girl power, and also she is very included in speed. And I think it's interesting how they played with a lot of her expectations. Like every one of those, the college kids, when they were showing their inventions, they later became incorporated in to their costumes and their superheroes. Like the girl you're talking about with the super fast, low friction bike. She and she's kind of like Tron. She's got those things strapped to her wheels, and she's like skateboarding around. But she can also throw them as like cutting discs. And the one girl who disintegrated that two thousand block of tungsten, two thousand pound block of tungsten, she um, had a ability where she uh, had an automated system that would that give her like these little balls of gel that she could throw that would do different things. Yeah, it would just make new ones. Uh, the, the, the big tough guy wa- had like laser arms where he could slice things because he had something that he could, he could like monofilament lasers, laser knives. And then the, uh, kind of big, the, the surfer dude that dressed up in the mascot was a, that you think's like an idiot or like lower class guy. Turns out he's like super rich and his parents are high society. Was that surprising to you? Uh, yeah, but. He Did really you, just, he wears dumb costumes, so he was out by a free-mouthed monster putting up fire, spinning up fire, I guess. Did you find it surprising that the biggest, toughest-looking dude was the biggest coward? And the littlest, the littlest of the girls turned out to be one of the bravest people. Did you find that surprising, or did mm, you just... Yeah, I did. Yeah, interesting. Just by kind of like his um, face, the whole movie, he just kind of actually saw he was kind of harmless. So there's this villain who's, what would you call his superpower? He's wearing a mask, like a kabuki mask or samurai mask. So so tell, tell the people how that stuff works. Hmm, that's crazy. Okay, well... Microbots. Why are microbots such a cool power? Because instead of taking it years to develop the Eiffel Tower, it would take about maybe five minutes. Can you tell them what microbots are? Yeah, they're these tiny little things about this big. Yeah, they're not quite nanobots, but they're the size of like the tip of your pinky. Yeah, and they... You have this thing on your mat head, and you can control what they do. Like you just can, by thinking about something. 
So if you think of, if you want to make a, um, a million foot apartment building, all you have to do is think of it and then they get to work. These nanobots swarm all over it and make it, and they can attach to each other by magnets and build into big structures. And like, you know, there's a there's a lot of scenes where the guy uses them to walk, and he's like a hundred foot stilts on because he's just walking, and the nanobots are making or the the they're microbots, not, not, yeah, micro. microbots are catching his feet so he can move around really fast, or he can make giant fists and punch things, or giant swords and cut things or he can like you said make build things really really fast too because it's like having a hundred hundred thousand pairs of hands now for a lot of the movie we think that this is some billionaire industrialist guy who offered a lot of money to hero for his microbot invention but we find out that really this the 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 villain the big villain in the movie is the uh kind-hearted professor and why did he want – and then he's trying to get revenge against the billionaire. Why was the professor so mad at the billionaire? Did you catch that? Yeah. Can you explain it to people? How about you? How about – oh, so you want to see if I know, huh? Well, the billionaire had this military contract to transport matter like in Star Trek where they beam stuff around – and they were going to test it on a human for the first time. And the test pilot of the pod that was going to go through the teleporter uh, is the professor's daughter. And Wife. No, it's his daughter. Yeah. And she goes in and they're, this guy is notorious, I guess, for cutting corners and ignoring safety because he's kind of a little, you know, he's, he's, he's selfish and he, and he does those things. And he ignored a problem they're having in the teleporter, and he sent her in anyway, and the thing blew up, and the girl was lost. So now, I don't want to talk about, too, because this is like stuff that's happened in the middle of the movie. I don't want to yeah. go on and talk about too many more spoilers, because, you know, if we spoil the whole movie, people won't want to see it. But what were some things that you really enjoyed about the movie? Mm, I don't know. It was just... Awesome science fiction. What did you think um, about the because the the robot the um, uh, Baymax, which is the name of the medical robot, he started off not knowing anything about how people should behave with each other. What did you think when Hero taught him how to do the fist bump? He was very dumb about it. He went. Because yeah. he couldn't make the the sound when he blow it up, so he went every time he did that, and that was a recurring joke in the movie. What do you think about when Baymax was running out of power? He uh, didn't know what to do, like he did in front of a policeman. How did he act when he was running out of power, would you say? Well, when he was out of power... He was going, we jumped out a window, and then Hero said, shh, and then he said, we jumped out a window, and then fell on the stairs. Mm -hmm. And what was he saying about the cat? The cat was fat, I guess. Well, he said he was a hairy, hairy baby. Yeah, I was like, hairy baby. Hairy baby. What would you say your favorite part of the movie was? 
Mm, probably that part. Oh, really? Because I think my favorite part is the first time the hero and him flew. And they went up in the air and, the you know, San Francisco had all these, like, balloons that had, like, uh, windmills built into them. And they had this big scene where they're flying around and they're flying over to Golden Gate Bridge and they're flying through these balloons. And it just was really super exciting. Yep. So are we done with this scene or you, what? Are, you, are we done? So would you say this is a movie that people should see if they're looking for something to watch for Christmas and they haven't seen it yet? Is this something that they should see on the big screen? Should they wait till it comes out on video, or do they not need to see it at all? Well, basically, I think video is better than big screen. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have video, then you just can't watch it again. Mm-hmm. Or, well, you can't watch it again, but you can't watch it, like, a million times. Are you wanting to watch this a million times? Yeah. Okay, so definitely, <laughs> if you are not the type of person who wants to watch a video a million times, maybe see it on the big screen. Do you think there'll be good, some good special features? Oh, one other thing. This movie had a bonus feature, too, didn't it? Do you remember before the movie started that we got to see the the short called Feast about the little Boston Terrier? What did you think of that? Uh... I like me because I'm a big pig too. Yes, you are. It's surprising how much you eat. But you anything, can pack away in a little bit, bit, bitty body of yours. Anything like those leaves, I will spit out in your face. In the, like the parsley, sure. Mm-hmm. So that was I thought really good, and I think the older you are, the more you'll appreciate it because it's also pretty heartwarming. There was like in in seven minutes you had. Uh, puppies and cuteness and you had sad breakups and then you had reuniting and babies and it's just a, just a whole, you lived a whole life in seven minutes. Those Pixar guys are amazing. Well, let's talk about where people can find us and how they can support us. If you want to support what we're doing at Bald Move, you can uh, use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. Buy all your Christmas presents on that. Uh, and everything you you buy, we get a tiny cut of, and it helps us keep the bills on here and the hard drive spinning and the bits flowing. You can also go to patreon.com slash baldmove where you can uh, uh, watch video casts live of us recording. You can eliminate ads. You never have to hear about me uh, pitching stuff to you again. Uh, you can also go to subbable.com slash baldmove, and in exchange for sponsoring us, you can get custom content opportunities. You can custom... Uh, uh, do your own podcast. You can pick Best a movie. Ever. You can pick a movie or a television show, and we'll do a podcast. If you wanted to make Dad and Jim do uh, do a podcast just for you, what television show would you pick? Mm. What would you like to hear us talk about? Oh, maybe I don't know. You don't know? What's your favorite television show right now? Dozens ago, but that'd probably not be what you want to do. I don't know. You got two hundred fifty dollars? No. Well, if you get two hundred fifty dollars, we'll do a podcast on Teen Titans. Go. <laughs> um, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. That also helps out a lot. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash baldmove. Twitter at baldmove. Mind Dragon. Thanks for coming on the podcast. What do you think the next time you'll be on is? Any movies coming out that we're interested in seeing? I don't know, but 
Uh, thank you all my friends for watching. I hope um you do subscribe my dad more and <laughs> I hope I do make a big help to him. So thank you friends for watching and if you did not get this yet, then thank you for getting it. So anyway, I think that's all. So we'll see you next time. I'm Keep wagging, folks. I'm Aaron. And you are? Flying Dragon. See you next time.